the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene, taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Tune in to the Wrestler Weekly Podcast with Mike Leotis. The Wrestler Weekly Podcast. Mike digs into interesting wrestling topics and conversations. The 2022 season starts in January with guests like Austin Idol, Nick Aldis, John Arezzi, and George, George Napolitano. Find Wrestler Weekly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. The Wrestler Weekly Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Psycho Boy Fodder from Control Your Narrative, and right now you're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Fodder, professional wrestling out of the east side of the United States. Tell us where you're from. Tell us what's been going on, sir. This is the Psycho Boy Fodder. I um, come from North Carolina, the Fayetteville area, and I get around quite a bit, I would say. Yes, absolutely. We've been talking before the the show, and you've been telling me some of the things that have been going on. Tell us. Tell us what's been going on with you. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on with the uh, Control Your Narrative uh, movement slash uh, awakening slash infiltration uh cinematic wrestling series so um you know we did the original one uh when ec3 was first released from wwe um for impact which was just me and him then we did the full feature um for the free the narrative one which featured him and cardona moose matt Sydal, me john schuyler uh and then we just did the part two which was with uh <clears throat> adam Shear. EC3, um, Dutch from Ring of Honor, Matt Taven. There's a ton of guys in that one. Um, and now we're just kind of getting ready to uh, put together the third one. And then, you know, I'm just taking my time right now uh, tearing up the indie scene. Tell me a little bit about what that is, uh, the Free the Narrative. Try to try to explain it to me in, in such a way if I've never seen it, if I've never heard it. I, I know a little bit about it. It's like cinema matches, right? But – there is there is a little different than what what we've we've seen in the past. So can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, so uh, you know, the narrative itself is you know where uh, individuals go to sort of uh, find themselves. So I mean, you could find you know wrestlers that have been released um, that are trying to reinvent themselves or find themselves or find their purpose. And that's the place you go. And to find that, uh, the only way to find it is to fight. Whether that fight be with yourself or another individual, um, you find it there. And, you know, the matches are sort of, they're, they're filmed just like regular wrestling matches that you would see on television. Um, but the cameraman is actually uh, in the ring with the performers. So you have a hard cam, you have a, uh, a Roman cam uh, on the floor, and then you also have a physical cameraman in the ring. So, like, the matches are happening just like they happen on television, um, but the viewpoint 
for the consumer is totally different than uh, what you would see in uh, corporate wrestling or television wrestling. I see. And and does the cameraman in the ring come out in the the video, or is he uh, framed out? Well, the, I mean, there are times where you see the cameraman um, actually in the ring. So, like, you know, sometimes uh, during the entrances of the performers or sometimes, um, you know, if they – when they're actually doing the editing to the matches, if you uh, – if they switch to a camera where the cameraman's in the shot, he's just in the shot. Um, and, and that's kind of the way we like it. It's different. Uh, it stands out. And I think when – you know, when the when the viewer watches it, it's just giving them something completely different than what they're uh, used to seeing with uh, regular professional wrestling. And are there audiences in when these are being filmed? Is there an audience, or are these going straight to um, a show, or are they going straight to uh, pay per view, or how are they being viewed? Yeah, I mean, these go, they go straight to pay-per-view. Um, th- there is an audience, um, but the audience would be, um, like, they're, they're essentially, uh, like independent wrestlers, um, that we bring in, um, to kind of create the atmosphere of the audience. Um, and, you know, once, once they hit pay-per-view, after they've been on there for a while, then we put them on the, uh, Control Your Narrative YouTube channel, which you can visit, uh, at youtube.com slash control your narrative um that's where you can see like we we have the podcast series going um you can watch the full features you can watch individual matches uh and then we also have some new uh individual match content that that we're going to be releasing uh here pretty soon pretty good now you haven't been wrestling long you know we you, you told me about two years what were you doing before professional wrestling how how did this all come about, and what were you doing before that made you decide you wanted to go this route? Well, so like I've I've always been a huge wrestling fan since I was a child, and my I guess original plan was uh, to become a professional wrestler. Um, when I was sixteen, uh, I actually did go to wrestling school. Uh, until they found out that I wasn't uh, 18. Um, the individual who was able to get me in there, he lied and told him I was 18. And once they found out I was 18, they told me that I couldn't come back until I was 18, um, you know, just because of the uh, the legal issues, you know, involved with a minor um, doing something like that. But, you know, throughout my life, I got into bodybuilding and um, got into doing shows, and that sort of turned into, um, you know, running – supplement companies uh for a living that's that's my shoot gig is that i run uh, five different supplement brands and then through that that all sort of kind of led me back to doing professional wrestling um and getting involved with it and once i got involved with it it just seemed to kind of take off rather quickly just mention some of the people you work with recently and some of the people that you have coming uh down the road in the near future Recently, I would say just within the past six months, I've wrestled uh, EC3. I've wrestled Weston Blake, who was formerly Wesley Blake uh, in WWE. Um, Lodi from WCW. I've wrestled Ricky Morton. I mean, there's a a ton of guys. Um, John Schuyler from Impact. Uh, And then, you know, we recently did the the run-in at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view with me, Adam Shear, EC3, and Wesley Blake. 
And then after that, I got the call to do AEW Elevation. So I did that this past week. Um, we worked a six-man against uh, Dark Order, trying to give people the best matches, um, you know, with, with top-tier names, uh, you know, because that's where you really learn the most um, is, you know, I mean, granted, I've only been doing it for, you know, two years, and, you know, my, my progression has been, you know, rather quick because I've, you know, worked with a lot of top-name guys who have, you know, kind of shown me the ropes and, you know, kind of helped me learn it um, quicker, but you really get better uh, in the ring, man, when you work top-level names, and, you know, in that 10 or 15 minutes that you're in the ring with them, you just, you learn so much about, uh, you know, moving in the ring and tempo and pace and, you know, just all the things that make you stand out um, from everybody else. Right, and then some of the names that you mentioned, you know, those guys, it's kind of like in, instead of learning from a peer, you're basically learning from, like, the college professor yourse- yourself, you know. And so, you know, with the experience that some of these guys that you mentioned have, you know. So, yeah, I could see, you know, the things that you're going through, you're going through a lot faster because you you, you may you may be able to sidestep some of the stuff that a person – I guess on the learning or, you know, on the learning end with. If you're always wrestling um, guys that are, let's say, um, like not as experienced as you are, then a lot of times you're having to wrestle down to their level. Um, And then if you're wrestling guys who are kind of on the same level as you in terms of experience, um, you're not really getting any better. I would say, I mean, you're doing the reps and, 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 and you're getting the ring time, you know, which, which, which helps. But when you wrestle guys that are, you know, had 10 years of experience on you or, or a guy like Ricky Morton, who's been wrestling for, you know, 30, 40 years, um, you know, those guys, when you're in the ring with them, they're really teaching you, um, how to do things and how to pace um, your pace yourself in the ring and slow down and, you know, do all the things that, you know, what I would, what I would consider make them great. Um, and, and those are the things that, that make them great and help set them apart from everybody else. Is there a particular wrestler that you've enjoyed wrestling, uh, in, in those terms of learning from? Oh, I mean, honestly, man, if, dude, every, every, every guy that I've wrestled who's like a, uh, a, a top level performer right now. Um, they've, uh, dude, I learned from every one of them. Um, I, I don't know if there's like one who's like a favorite. I mean, I mean, I always wanted to wrestle Ricky Morton. I mean, you know, he's like one of the best wrestlers ever. I mean, Rock and Roll Express. I mean, it, it's, he's a legend, man. So, I mean, for me to even step in the ring with him and, uh, you know, tie up with him, I mean, that's, that's a great honor, man. So, if I had to say my favorite of all time and probably the easiest match I've ever had was with Ricky for sure. Have you had an opportunity to meet his son, Terry? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. I met him, uh, I met him the, the day that me and him worked. Um, Carrie was actually wrestling on the same show. Yeah. What a super nice guy. I interviewed him a couple months ago and he's a great guy and, and all he has to do is stick with it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, dude, he's getting taught by one of the best ever. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's almost no way you can fail. 
Right. Yeah, he's got a yeah. What we talked about, he's got a good uh, support group. Very good support group. Absolutely. And you know, like you said, I mean, you're getting hands put on you by some of the best people to ever do it. Um, so, you know, when you have that, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to fail, um, at it, man, when you have the best people putting their hands on you, you know what I mean? Um, and, and he's, you know, insanely athletic and smart and, you know, he moves great in the ring. I mean, so, I mean, there's, you know, nothing but bright lights in his future for sure. What is it that you like so much about professional wrestling? Is it the storytelling? Is it the physicality? What is it that you like? You're essentially like telling a story with no words, right? Like you're telling a story with your body. Um, and you have to be what I would consider, you have to be very creative um, in the way that you put the matches together and make them make sense. You know, like it wouldn't make sense, for instance, like for me to take a shoulder tackle from a hundred pound guy, right? So when you're, when you're placed with, when you're placed with people, um, who might not be your size or, um, you know, they, they may not can do the same things that you do in the ring, or maybe I can't do the same things that, that they do in the ring. The creative aspect of coming up with a story that you tell with your body without words, you know, predominantly with facial expressions, um, and taking it and making it all make sense is probably the greatest thing of it all. Talk to me a little bit about the wrestling you grew up with. Man, 90s WWF. Um, like anytime I watch wrestling and predominantly I watch wrestling now to study it. When you watch, when I watch wrestling to study it, I mean, the wrestling that I'm watching is, you know, 1995 WWF, 1996 WWF, um, you know, old WCW Nitro. So the guys that I'm watching, Bret Hart, Dean Malenko, Jerry Lynn, um, you know, all of these, you know, individuals, man, who've kind of laid down the path forward. Um, you know, like some of these guys, the wrestling that they were doing in 96, 97 is what kind of led to the wrestling of today. You know, guys like Jerry Lynn, guys like Dean Malenko, um, guys like Jushin Thunder Liger, um, all these different styles that were so unique um, in the mid to late 90s um, that people hadn't seen, you know, has kind of really become the dominant style of today. So if you watch a lot of my matches, a lot of my matches look like um, 1996, 97 WWF. Uh, and, and that's the wrestling that I like. I mean, you know, for me, I don't do a lot of, uh, high flying jump slips, any of that. So I have to figure out how to take the things that I do well, make them make sense in the ring, um, and make the things that I do well look good and mean something when I do them. So essentially, if I'm working with a guy who's really athletic, as in like, you know, a guy who can do one-handed cartwheels and, you know, all of the flips and hurricane ranas and all of that, working as a heel, I want to let him do all of the stuff that he's really good at and put him over um, that way, you know, so he can do all the cool-looking stuff. So when it's my turn to take over, um, the simple stuff that I do is completely opposite from what he's doing, but also makes sense and means something as well. And it, what goes down to is is what I guess the old timers would call that storytelling. 
you know what makes that hundred percent a hundred percent um and and that's the, the the best kind of wrestling um you know one individual told me oh some of the storytelling wrestling is not not necessarily lacking but you don't see it as much today as you used to in you know the late 90s or maybe early 2000s um and that a lot of guys are looking to go back to that um to find guys who can you know do things and make sense and i would say make it less about like just doing a lot of moves if that makes sense oh yeah no it it, it makes sense it makes sense to me you know and it's the way it's been explained to me over the last couple of years of me talking to different wrestlers and you know when you're you're seeing a sequence of all these actions you know you're you're seeing it but you can't you you really can't digest it right i mean cuz it's things are moving so fast and it's like it, if if, if that slowed down a little bit where you was like, oh, okay, he did this and he did that and he did this and oh, he did that because of that, you know? Right, right. And 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 when you're, it's it's like you're saying, right? And and like it's no knock on like on like anybody who like wrestles with that sort of style. I mean, because there's like so many things that guys do that I look at and I just go like, man, that's just like unbelievable. Like I, like that's something like I'm I definitely couldn't do and probably wouldn't even try to do, but it it's 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 more so that like when when things happen and like the audience is sitting there watching and it, and the moves are like bang 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 they they can't even keep up with what's going on as opposed to like the pace of the wrestling match like if the pace is like up and down and up and down and up and down and then up 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 to the finish it gives the audience time to kind of see like okay like this is what's happening here i i saw that i understand what's going on here because you're still the audience who's sitting in the crowd doesn't have the luxury of hearing the commentators so when right. you're doing television you know if you're watching it on television the commentators are um they're directing you right so like they're like they're like the conductors and they're directing you on everything that's happening Whereas if you're sitting in the audience, you have to rely on watching the action with with nobody giving you any verbal cues, and you're relying on the performers to tell that story with their face and with their body and the crowd to be able to digest everything that's actually happening. I heard a wrestler talk about Dory Funk Jr. and said that if he if he saw people in the arena getting up to go get the popcorn, that he could he can get them to go back to their seat just with an arm drag. Right. And so uh <laughs> funny thing is um Weston Blake was trained by Dory Funk. Um so a lot of things that he has given me um in the time that we have spent together, you know, doing some of the narrative stuff and outside of that with with some events that we did were that Dory Funk mentality of wrestling. And it all makes so much sense, um, the way it's laid out and the way it's um, done to be able to make sure that the crowd can understand what's going on and digest everything that's happening um, without being lost.
it's been two years for you. So, and you've, and it's been a, you've learned a lot in this two years, just talking to you. Uh, you sound like you've, you've been around it a lot longer than you have. That's got to be the credit of the people that are helping you along the way. Great that you're in that, you know, you're in that environment and you've got that. What, what is the, if you were to say one, the, you know, the one thing that someone emphasized, like, in all things in wrestling, you can't forget this element or this philosophy or this thing. What, what, what do you think that is? You know, I would not be where I'm at right now without EC3. Um, like, he's probably, he's somebody who is what I would consider probably the least selfish person I know. Um, and he has kind of made it his business to make me successful doing this, um, as long as I'm willing on the other end to put in the hard work. And one of the things that he taught me was, um, about slowing down, um, in the ring. And it's like, everybody's like moving so fast and, he I'll I'll tell you a funny story. So we're doing a match and he hits me with a move and I'm down and he's trying to kind of get the moment out of the move and I'm like coming up way too fast and like I come up way too fast and he like boots me and he like throws me in the corner and he goes, You're moving too fast, you're fucking up. Bow and he like hits me with a chop. And then he goes, don't do it again. Bow. He hits me with a chop. He goes, I know you're better than that. Bow. And he hits me with another chop. And, like, in that moment, it's like a teaching moment for me, right? So, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, you don't realize how fast you're going until you get in there with somebody who goes really slow. And in that moment, it was a great teach. Like some people would take it personal, like, oh, like he yelled at me or he chopped me too many times or whatever. But like, it's one of those moments where I can kind of circle back to what we were talking earlier about like when you're in there with like a top level guy, the stuff that you learn in that 10 or 15 minutes is like more than you learn like in six months of practice. Because, like, you're in there and you're doing it, and when they're, like, correcting your mistakes on the fly, you start to realize, like, oh, like, the light bulb goes off. Like, oh, I'm moving way too fast. Like, I need to go way slower than what I'm going. And I think that moment um, really taught me what it was to, like, slow down and just take your time in the ring. Um, and, you know, you don't have to do 100 moves. You know, you can, like, we can do this move, and then we can let this thing ride for a little while, let the audience pick it up, and then go into the next thing. So I, I think that that moment um, of learning to slow down and figuring that out and having that light bulb go, go off, um, it just made, from that point forward, made my matches so much better. Yeah, that old saying, less is more. Yeah, there's something to it, right? Yeah, and you won't be super blown up, too, if you slow down. Like, you won't be blown up in the ring, you know? Talk to me a little bit about your uh, – give me a physical description. I, I saw some pictures of you. Uh, you're built. Uh, that's one thing I noticed about you. You have a 
a nice physique and you have you have a tattoo or two. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for the physique compliment. Um, uh, yeah, and the tattoos, man, uh, got a ton of them. I, I got the majority of them early on in my life. I would say from the age of like 18 to maybe like 23 is when I got like all of my tattoos. Um, and then I slowed down. Once I got into competing um, and doing bodybuilding shows, I kind of slowed down on getting the tattoos because the tattoos kind of take away from the detail in your physique um, with the lines and, you know, everything like that, like when you're under the light. So as I got more serious um, in terms of competing uh, in bodybuilding shows, I just kind of did away with the tattoos altogether. Um, but like on my right arm, um, if you look at all my tattoos on my right arm, that's um, what I would consider my, my bad arm. Um, there's a lot of things on there, um, you know, money and drugs and, you know, different things of that nature. And then on my left arm is my good arm, you know, which is, you know, has a lot of things dealing with uh, Christ. It has a lot of things dealing with my family, um, you know, my lineage and things like that. Um, and, you know, all of my tattoos, they kind of blend and they all have, um, you know, different things uh, that mean uh, that mean things to me um, from various uh, points in my life. You know, you were talking about like the the bad arm and the good arm. You know, what what kind of made you to kind of, I guess, design it like that? Well, I mean, like like life itself is a battle between like good and evil, right? Um, and and living, I, I think living life um, is is always a struggle between good and bad. Um, now, what's good and bad, I mean, that's kind of determined, you know, by the individual. I think that's like a subjective type thing. But I, I think like good and bad or yin, yin and yang, um, it, it symbolizes like life itself because everybody has struggles. Everybody goes through things. Everybody has things that they love. Everybody has things that they care about. Um, so, and, and they're both on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so I think it's good to kind of, you know, for me, you know, inking that stuff on my body, um, it always gives me a visual representation of things that I know have, maybe, maybe they're not necessarily bad, but they've had a negative effect on me in my life. Um, and other things that are good who have had a positive effect on me in my life. And, um, I think just telling that story um, through the tattoos and the ink on the body, um, you know, it always gives me a visual representation of that. So going back to the the wrestling, and I, I before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, you know, with where you're at in wrestling now, do you feel like you're on track for where you want to go in this career? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm ahead of probably where I should be, um, you know, with, I mean, you see, I see so many guys, man, that, you know, they do it for a long time, man. And, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I guess, you know, one guy told me that, you know, life is all about getting breaks, you know what I mean? And when you get that break, are you ready? You know, when opportunities come, you know, if you're prepared, you can capitalize on that opportunity. If you're not prepared, the opportunity may come and it may go and you may miss it, you know, and I think like every Every opportunity that's presented to you, if you're able to capitalize on it, it sets up like 
the next thing for you to like meet the next person who might introduce you to this person or that person. And, you know, it, it takes you on that ride. But like, if you're not able to capitalize on it, um, you know, the one opportunity that could, uh, you know, rocket you to the top this way, if you miss it or you don't capitalize on it, it may never come around again. Um, so I think right now in terms of the wrestling, I'm, ahead of probably where I should be, but it's only because I'm able to capitalize on the opportunities that are given to me. And I think it's, it goes kind of goes back, goes back to this, um, this thing called the five P's, um, which is called, uh, you know, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Um, and if you're always prepared, then you should always be able to capitalize on the things um, that are presented in front of you. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you shared that. That's yeah, it's a good thing to think about for anybody in any field. And for anybody in any field, you can apply that to anything for sure. Where can fans find you on social media? You can find me at L O K E Y S nine one zero. It's Lokey's nine one zero on Twitter or Instagram. At the same thing, L-O-K-E-Y-S-9-1-0. Um, you can catch, there's a lot of matches out there. I'm getting ready to start up a, a new YouTube channel. Um, so I'll have a ton of matches on there. Um, if you want to see any of the narrative uh, work, youtube.com slash control your narrative. And you can find me on Facebook if you just look up uh, Merton Woolard Fitness on Facebook. All right. Well, Fodder, it has been a pleasure talking to you. The knowledge that you have for wrestling in the short time that you've been in it, it's almost like talking to somebody with years. I very much appreciate it, and I thank you for uh, inviting me on to do the interview, man. I'm uh, very grateful for that, man, and I look forward to it when it drops, and we'll promo it to death. Yeah, I appreciate your time. I really do. Thank you. All right. Thank you, buddy. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Ringing the Bell Radio. Listen to J.D., Barris, and Logan talk about wrestling news, reviews, in-depth conversations, and interviews. The podcast that we want to hear, and you will too. Ring the Bell Radio. We call it in the ring. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.